It's Tuesday, December 14th, 2021, and this is the Talk Film Society podcast. I'm your host, Marcelo Pico, Editor-in-Chief of Talk Film Society, here to introduce episode 99 of the podcast. This uh, podcast episode, much like the, uh, the last few uh, podcast episodes I've done of this show uh, features two great guests talking about two great movies mainly. Uh, the first segment you'll hear is me and Manish Mathur talking about House of Gucci uh, and we also talk about The Last Duel. So I'll just say um, there are mild spoilers for both movies, House of Gucci and The Last Duel. Um, our main topic is House of Gucci but we had to bring up The Last Duel. Uh, they're both Ridley Scott movies. They're both uh, worth talking about. Just so you know, uh, we bring up The Last Duel. I don't flat out spoil it, but I do allude to what happens in the movie. So some could see it as a spoiler. And in the next segment, about, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes into the episode, um, I talk with uh, my good friend, uh, Grace, uh, who you may not know. Uh, she's not on Twitter. Uh, she's not been a guest on this show before, but uh, she's great to talk to, and I had to have her on the show to talk about the movie Tick, Tick, Boom, uh, the new movie by Lin-Manuel Miranda starring Andrew Garfield. Um, that's not Spider-Man. Uh, and um, a- as you'll see, as you'll hear, uh, she's the perfect person to talk to about Tick, Tick, Boom. And we also talk about In the Heights, which is still my favorite movie of the year, and it's one of her favorite movies of the year. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it in the segment, but I recorded it here in my apartment, so that's why the quality is different from... Uh, the other segments uh, I've recorded on the show. Um, I mean, as as loyal listeners of this uh, series uh, know, I sometimes do uh, in-person uh, podcast recordings, and this is one of them. And that's why uh, it sounds and it uh, and the energy is different, of course. So, all in all, great conversation with Grace in the second segment and Manish in the first segment. Both great conversations. Um, and let me get to the things I always get to in these intros before you hear those two segments. Uh, go to talkfilmsociety.com. Uh, check out our other podcasts. Uh, check out Have a Nice Apodcalypse. Um, that's the Richard Kelly podcast I host with uh, Marcus Irving. I uh, also listen to Igniting the Spark. That is the Star Wars podcast um, uh, hosted by Callie Smith. And yeah, check out, there's a new sequels out. Um, uh, posted up a few, uh, about two weeks ago now, I think, as of this recording. That's a great episode. Uh, so check all that out on TalkFilmSociety.com. Let's go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash TalkFilmSociety. I posted an update on there for uh, patrons. And I hope to record um, uh, more bonuses for, for patrons on the Patreon uh, here in the next few weeks. I'm planning to record one uh, here this week. Uh with a special person it's marcus um <laughs> it, it, it just so happens that me and marcus uh, record the bonus uh, episodes for the patreon and i hope you all like it if you do listen to those because there's going to be more of them uh, coming up soon uh, so there you go so patreon patreon.com slash talk film society that's where you can go to get the bonuses but more importantly every dime you put in every dollar you put in there uh, helps the site keep going I uh, could not have done any of this uh, without the patrons and, of course, without the hosts and editors on Talk Film Society um, when it comes to podcasting. Um, I, I hit the publish button, but there's so many other people uh, to thank and, and, and to shout out when it comes to how many podcast episodes we've put out 
um, like this year and like the the last five years of of, of the website. So yeah, thanks for any for, thanks for anybody uh, who wants to. Uh, be a, a, a patron, a donor there on our Patreon, and thanks to uh, those people who are already past and future tense. Thank you. And uh, hey, uh, one last thing: uh, the 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 thing I always do in these intros too is I give a recommendation uh, for a movie I just saw um, recently. Uh, I, I I will have a licorice pizza segment. I, I, I'm gonna have that on the podcast soon, so I'll talk more in depth uh, about licorice pizza. But that's one I just saw about a week ago, and I I'm close to saying I love it. I need to see it again, but I think it's a very good movie. Uh, divisive already. The discourse has started for that movie. Um, but in my opinion, uh, not to discount this, not to discount the discourse. Um, uh, it's very valid. Some of the points people bring up uh, when they uh, talk about the movie in a negative uh, but I ended up enjoying it I think it's it's in the end a lovely movie and I can't wait to dig into it uh, with a future guest on this episode on this podcast for an episode it's very early in the morning when, when I'm recording this and I'm not going to delete that uh, but another movie I saw um, is uh, it's not really a movie it's a series uh, The Beatles uh, Get Back uh, by Peter Jackson a very long uh, Disney Plus uh, series, a three-parter. Uh, Peter Jackson sure knows how to do a trilogy. Um, I I would recommend it to people who love the Beatles, who really want to get a behind-the-scenes look more than ever before of how the Beatles uh, worked as a band. Um, so if you're interested in that, and if you're interested in like the the most uh, fly-in-the-wall documentary I've ever seen, uh, check out The Beatles Get Back. So that's my recommendation if you have nine hours to spare. <laughs> but I think overall, it's, it's a worthy experience. And that's it. I think that should be enough intro uh, for this episode, episode 99. Uh, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what episode 100 of this show will be. Um, and But I hope to have that out uh, before the year is up. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, if you're a, a listener to this series, uh, thanks for, for listening. Um, uh, the last year has been productive for me with this show. I think I've produced about 40 episodes uh, of this uh, show in particular. Um, it's been fun, and I hope to keep doing it. I might take a break after 100, but I'll be back. Um, but yeah, stay tuned for episode 100 coming up eventually, uh, <laughs> or at least in the next uh, two weeks. Uh, so there you go. That's all. Uh, so please enjoy. Again, first segment, me and Manish uh, discussing Hazuguchi and also uh, The Last Duel. Uh, spoilers, uh, kind of spoilers uh, within. And then next segment, uh, me and my friend Grace discuss Tick, Tick, Boom, In the Heights, uh, rent and other things uh, in a very good long discussion uh, so that's the episode and now please listen to me talking to them enjoy hey Benish, how's it going hey i'm doing good how are you i'm doing pretty pretty good i wanted to talk hasaguchi on the show because I just needed to talk it out with somebody, you know, because I have many feelings on this movie. Um, I'll first ask you, Manish, just your general thoughts on House of Gucci. I mean, I, you know, I kind of know from your tweets that you. <laughs> I, I, I want to also say, like for for I think the last year on this podcast, mostly. I've talked with people about movies that we that you know my guests have generally liked. 
<laughs> yeah. Right? And I'm pretty sure you like House of Gucci, right? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. definitely. See, good. <laughs> that's, that's good. And uh, same with me. For the most part, I like House of Gucci. But, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about. So, yeah, th- th- tell me how you feel about House of Gucci overall, Manish. So, my main selling point for the movie was uh, Lady Gaga. As a fan of her as a singer and as an actress. So, for me, the movie was successful because it delivered me the Lady Gaga performance I wanted from it. Yes. You know, she was over the top. She was wild. She was, you know, in her 80s fashion, she commanded the screen, I thought. You know, she was just, you know, quite exceptional. I can see why Ridley Scott cast her in the movie. I don't really know who else could do this role. Um, and I think that this movie has a lot of things I really enjoy, like the soundtrack I really liked, you know, the, the needle drops, as they say. Um, costume design I thought was pretty uh, pretty jaw-dropping, uh, not to be... That's not really a surprise, considering, you know, it's, it's a movie by Gucci. I think... Yeah. There are a lot of things that didn't quite work for me. Um, notably, one performance. Uh, <laughs> Which <laughs> I think I know. I mean, I think it's obvious, but we'll work. It's obvious. I, I just, you know, the, the Jared Leto of it all, like, let's yeah. just get into it. <laughs> yeah, you it, know what? It, yeah. It annoyed, let's jump into it. Because I think. Yeah, let's I think... jump into it because it's the only thing I really. It's the only major criticism I really have for the movie. Other, th- other than that, I thought it was like. It's exactly kind of what it was promised to be. So, like, yeah. I think a lot and of the negative reviews, I it's like I don't disagree with them, but I'm like, I don't know why you're surprised by any of this. <laughs> and I think Jared Leto is a good starting point for this movie because I think it's... Okay, I'll just get it off the table for me, okay? I enjoy this movie a lot, okay? But I understand that on paper... Like logistically, like some of it is bad, and I think I think you can point to Jared Leto's performance as Paolo Gucci. And I'm gonna mess up all these names, by the way. These 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 people, right? Because I have terrible pronunciation. Um, but and I'm also reading off of Wikipedia. Um, Leto, his performance. I think it's key because it's like I don't. It's uh. It's even frustrating for it's like frustrating to talk about, and also it, it's key to my 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 whole feeling on the movie. It's like I don't know if Jared Leto is good or bad in this. That's that's how I feel <laughs> because like he like there are scenes where he's like funny and it seems like he's yeah. in on, he's in on the joke, but then there are scenes where he's just doing something else completely, and he's like in another stratosphere that is like not the right mood or like he's, he's like doing his own thing and like I feel like Ridley Scott I love the guy right but I feel like he he as a filmmaker at times just lets the actors go right um, yeah, yeah. N- not that he doesn't have control but he kind of has faith in the actors and what they do right he's like you know what you, Leto you've already won an Oscar you know what you're doing so I trust you and maybe he just put too much trust in Leto at times <laughs> and he just went overboard so 
I can definitely see that being a reason why people are way turned off by this Lowe's performance in particular. But at times, like it works. At times, it doesn't. And for me, that's a key for me and and this movie. Like I like it at times a lot, and sometimes it doesn't work for me. So that's how I feel about Leto in this. Uh, but I'll also say, just to end my thought on this, like like uh, I I can't remember the last time Leto like like uh, uh, well usually Leto on screen displeases me a lot (laughs) and and this time like it it, i i don't know like the performance worked by the end i was kind of captivated by this like this loser figure that that leto played um i don't know but i think you know the the you know layers and layers of makeup also helped you know kind of hide you know (laughs) that leto face that i you know don't like in real life but anyway that's me and Hasaguchi, that's me and Leto. Uh, what are your thoughts on Leto in particular, Manish? You know, his whole shtick, you know, that he does in the press every time he's in a movie, I find it to be more distracting. Like, I'm not I'm not against method acting, you know, wh- whatever that means. I'm not against it. I think a lot of people do it really well. Um, you know, I've... Uh, you know, Dan Day-Lewis, obviously, Walking Phoenix, obviously, like, all these people... Um, they're really good at it and they actually disappear into these roles but for some reason because uh, Jared Leto just doesn't ever shut up <laughs> um, I'm like it makes it so distracting to me and it it actually undermines some of the pathos that he's able to achieve in the latter half of the movie and I was yeah. surprised actually that you know I thought this role was going to be a total character and I, I agree with you that towards the end you know, I mean, his character, I mean, aside from Adam Driver's character, of course, but his character is kind of gets the, the raw deal, you know, in this movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I kind of felt for that. And I was like, wait, I don't want to be having any kind of sympathy <laughs> or empathy for Jared Leto. But he, he achieves it. And it's like, I just wish the like first half of the movie took it. I, I wish the first half of his performance took itself seriously, more seriously. Oh, yeah. And didn't do the whole like Italian caricature because um, I would have been more on board with it. And... I think he really under I think he really undermines himself, and I think really Scott really undermines him as well, um, because for like for some reason it works for Lady Gaga to do this kind of like you know large in the life persona and Al Pacino as well, like it works for them because I think I mean. Yeah, Lady Gaga, you know, she's only done a couple of movies. You know, she's not, like, a major thespian um, yet. But I think that she's she's able to achieve that balance. And I think that it's because she's naturally, as a person, very theatrical. At least that's her persona. So, you know, when she goes big, it, it, it works for her because, like, she's good at that. Yeah. You know, she's always been good at that since, you know, her The Fame days. And I think Jared Leto just isn't good at that. And I think he is better, actually, as a subtle actor. And I, I wish he would um, tap into that more because I, I think he achieved something really real. I mean, I'm not a fan of the movie, but he won an Oscar for a reason. You know, yeah. in a vacuum, it's a very sympathetic performance. Um, it's just, you just have to do, divorce it from all the ickiness around that performance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Dallas Buyers Club. But. Yeah, so I th- I think he's kind of a, a kind of a, a tough pill to swallow. Um, but what did you think of Adam Driver? Because I think he's kind of a, a question mark for me as well. Yeah, but I, like, I want to hear what you have to say. 
And I, I talked to that with a friend of mine who's actually on this episode, Grace, who's on the second segment. Like her, she and I saw this together, and we 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 talked it out because my first impression of it, of Adam Driver's performance in this, was like he felt like the odd man out because, like, I think. Like when you look at and we talked about Leto and Lady Gaga, right? Like, yeah. And and when you add Driver into the mix, like on the face of it, like they're all kind of in different movies at uh, at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and for me, you know, first impression of Driver in this is like he's like understated. Um, he's actually just she's trying to do something, but I don't know. Like for me, the character really didn't connect with me. Even like um, you know the when he kind of turns turns on Lady Gaga's uh, character, like when they have that that you know divorce uh, by the I guess yeah. spoilers for House of Gucci. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I guess I didn't buy it because there wasn't enough material you know for that character for driver's character but like i I bought it enough because i think driver himself is like a great actor um but i don't know again my my point is like it just felt like he was doing something understated when almost everybody else was like going for something else um but then thinking about it but then talking with my friend i'm like oh like maybe that's the point because like that character is very quiet is very like you know inward and and I think and I can't remember the the exact quote that one that somebody said um, w- w- when it comes to his persona. Um, I think it's like one of the fights that you know Gaga and Driver has, and um, I think Driver says something to the effect of like, um, you know, if you know, uh, leave now and then I'll think of you know something to say to you afterwards. Some, something to that effect. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. that's an interesting line, and that's really yeah, key to his character. Um, but yeah, I, I guess my main point is like I think Driver at times is like the odd man out in this ensemble. But uh, but uh, what do you think of Adam Driver? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Um, I think he because he's playing like the most normal person in yeah. this cast. Yeah, it's like in some ways it really uh, it doesn't serve him as well because he kind of gets lost. Um, I agree also that he's a, I mean, I think he's a really incredible actor. Um, I'm a huge marriage story guy. I like that movie a lot. I think he's, I think he's pretty fantastic at it. I think that's my, that and Patterson are my two favorite performances from him and The Last Jedi as well. Um, but I, I think that, um, yeah, he's kind of he kind of gets lost in there, and I wish he would have gone a little bigger. Like I wanted full marriage story, Adam Driver. Yeah, um, because like that's a really subtle movie, and I think that movie is so subtle that he and Scarlett Johansson can go really big, and it, and it works really well. Somehow, there's like that weird balance in marriage story that I can't quite figure out, but I, I think of this movie, you know, Ridley Scott just is. I think he's kind of struggling with the tone and I I appreciate that all these actors are giving really committed performances but I think you're right in that they're all kind of playing in different tones and I'm, I'm not sure but I mean it, it's so strange because like I think The Last Duel has such an incredible tone and oh, yeah. it's so control like this is what I don't understand about this like this guy you know who's like a thousand years old making two movies <laughs> in one year like how can uh, The Last Duel be so controlled so precise so delicate and then Hasaguchi is like so all over the place. See, like, I just don't get it. I'm glad you brought this up. This was not, I I wasn't going to touch on the last duel 
because I actually didn't know if you had seen it yet. Um, I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, I have. I've seen it. And um, we could talk about that a bit too um, because I I liked Last Duel and I, I do need to rewatch now because um, in this, you know, film Twitter biosphere we're in, Manish, uh, I mean, you know, this like it's, it's you know, it failed at the box office and I think yeah. that's a key reason why people are coming around to it and yeah. getting like this like buzz going now, especially I think with like Ridley Scott as the persona that he is now of like telling <laughs> telling interviewers to shut the fuck up like when yeah. <laughs> like when he disagrees with them. Um, so all this is happening around yeah, around the last. Nobody disagrees with them when the interviews are giving like asking dumb questions and yeah. making idiotic statements like these people deserve it yeah they do okay uh, like the, the the two examples i saw were around the last duel like uh yeah. one uh, interviewer was saying oh the last duel you know is like it looks more historically accurate than like i forget the examples like oh kingdom of heaven right? kingdom of heaven i think yeah. yeah and then really scott didn't let him finish he just goes sir fuck you fuck you fuck off fuck you all right thank you uh <laughs> that was hilarious <laughs> then the second one the second video i saw of him uh telling off an interviewer was um the interview okay and i guess spoilers for the last duel too sorry folks but watch that movie because i i think it's really good Please, yeah. please see the last duel. But the last duel is split into three parts. The third part of the last duel is the truth in the story, right? And this interviewer said to Ridley, "It's like, oh, Ridley, what do you think of like people who say like you know, you know uh, uh, that the, people who wonder like wh- which story of the three is the truth? Like, cause uh, yeah. you know, there's there's this question mark, and then really goes, really that goes, wow." How stupid can somebody be? <laughs> it tells a guy up because, like, in the movie itself, it tells you that the third story is the truth. But anyway, yeah, that's really Scott. I love what he's doing out there right now. I love him, right? But going back to that main point you were saying, like, yeah, okay, the last duel, great. He also does House of Gucci, um, like right after, uh, or for yeah, because. If I remember correctly, he was shooting the last duel, and then the pandemic hit, so he took a break, and then he came back, like mid, you know, uh, after a few months, finished the last duel, then he jumped into Hasaguchi during the pandemic. Um, but yeah, it's and and uh, out of the two, uh, is it, is it the last duel that you like better, Manish? I think the last duel is just objectively a better made film. Right. Uh, yeah, because I, I, I think with the Nicole um, Haloff Center, you know, input, it, it becomes a, a really uh, memorable piece of work. But I also think that I think House of Gucci is also really entertaining. And yeah. I think the two of them make kind of fun. I think the two of them make for a, a kind of a weird little double feature. I don't know if they share anything um, in common thematically, but just in terms of like you know what happens when a director knows completely what he's doing and what happens when he's kind of like letting things kind of fly yeah and and i i, I don't I, I don't think of that too much as a negative with house of gucci i mean i for a movie about like kind of over the top 80s fashion designers like i think i would i think you'll kind of need a movie to be like this because like they, they kind of live these extra lives <laughs> Yeah, and like I was talking to someone about the length of Hasuguchi, and I'm like, I don't want to see a version of this story that's only like a hundred minutes long or even two <laughs> hours long. Like, 
Um, you know, I mean, I love long movies. Like, I really, I really resist the whole ninety-minute movie craze that people love to get on because I think that I think I've seen too many movies, short movies that are extremely tedious to get through. Yeah. Um, so I think with Hasaguchi, I think the length works, uh, just like it worked with with the last duel, and. Um, I think Hasaguchi, it's like you kind of have to admire it for its messiness. Yeah. Just like how you admire The Last Duel for like its, its precision. Yeah, and I, I love that we're talking about The Last Duel now too because comparing the two, like you can look at... I, I, watching Hasaguchi, I compared it in my head to something like um, The Counselor. Uh, yeah. Have, yeah. Have, have, have you seen The Counselor, Manish? Uh, I think like about... Like when it when it came out, I saw it. Yeah, so like almost uh, ten years ago, I guess. Because that one is similar, I think, in a way where there's that. If you remember, like there's that humor in it. There's that, of course, like drama. There's like this mix of tone. There's this ensemble, like some yeah. like oh god, who was it? Um, I forget the cast. So Brad Pitt, uh, Javier Bardem. It's Javier Bardem who sort of like Jared Leto kind of is like doing his own thing <laughs> in a movie where Michael Fassbender is in a straight serious drama and 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 um Javier Bardem is like doing some crazy wild thing that is like it's like what are you doing man but I think I think to that point comparing that to Hasaguchi I, I, I want to say yeah I, I agree with you like Ridley Scott, I think with Hasaguchi kind of letting it fly but I think at at points I, I see kind of his sense of sense of humor, uh, yeah, Scott, definitely. and I th- and I think some of the actors are in on that too. Um, so like when people point to like sort of like this this tonal awkwardness, I think some of it sure accurate, but I think some of it is also like Ridley Scott just being that kind of like Ridley Scott figure, like uh, and like being kind of a jokester, and like having his humor you know cut through the the drama yeah absolutely yeah. yeah and then comparing it to last duel last duel is like on another level like thematically and, and tonally like that's like kingdom of heaven you know ridley scott like he like there's there's jokes in that there's like humor in that but still overall it's like he's going yeah. he's going gladiator mode in that in that movie yeah. though yeah i actually think the, the last duel is pretty funny yeah um especially the the first third of it i think is quite hysterical um it's basically mad damon and getting like eviscerated scene after scene, yeah, treated like a child. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I liked Matt Damon in it so much because it 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 builds on my case that he's picking roles where he's just a shithead, and like he's yeah. trying to build this like persona around him that. I haven't seen that movie. I forget the name of it. The the one that just came out. But I know the poster with him in the hat with like he has a beard. I really want to see oh, that movie. Yeah. I forget the name of it. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it, yeah, Joe it, Bell, I think. Yeah, yeah. I I, I do want to see it. Um, but you know, but this past year he was in No Sudden Move and he played like an asshole in that. Um, and like almost every like you know quote unquote cameo he's been in, he's kind of been an asshole like Interstellar. So yeah. I I do like these roles where he, he, he I guess he's not afraid to play this sort of like pathetic asshole <laughs> and 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 in last duel he plays that to a T um but oh okay but yeah it's fun and also of course Ben Affleck in last duel like he's I don't know what the fuck he's doing there but I think it works for for the kind of character he is uh, in that and he's also funny um but okay back to Hasaguchi 
I know we're jumping around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I agree with you about the length of this. Like, I, I, I wouldn't want to see like a 90 minute version, a 100 minute version of this. And I don't think Ridley Scott would ever do that either. Um, he, he does like to make these long, sort of like uh, decade spanning you know epics because uh, like this spans like three decades this covers like you know the lives of, the, of like this this family and then it's tragic end um and i think it completely works um for for, for its runtime um especially yeah. at the end like I, I i didn't know i i knew how it was going to end but i didn't know like when um uh did you know how it was going to end when when you walked into this manish no i i didn't know the story at all um and i didn't uh yeah i i didn't really um see the ending coming or kind of know where it was going um which i appreciated i mean it's kind of nice not not knowing everything about this movie as i was watching it yeah i i unfortunately read i think like the wikipedia page uh, about the the Gucci's before watching this, and I was like, I mean, it's not a spoiler because it's real, like it happened. But it, it I, I do kind of wish, like you, I I, I should have like you know not read about it because it is, it is, it's it's jarring in a way because like I, I was paying attention to it. It's like, well, okay, where where's it gonna go? Oh, I know, I know where it's gonna go, but I'm like, how is how are we gonna get there? It kind does yeah. kind of feel abrupt, but I think it works because going back to Lady Gaga, I think she's incredible. And you do see that sort of menace like in her eyes. Uh, by the time she, she kind of makes that realization of what she's going to do and like that scene when she pays off those guys, I'm like, oh, okay. I believe it. Yeah, I, it's at that chilling. Point, yeah, it is chilling. Um, also, again, another scene that also is like funny too. It's, it's like light because Summer Hike is in there too. Like, I love Summer Hike in this, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. She's a good, another, you know, player in this who kind of understands, you know, the movie she's in. Um, but yeah. Um, what else can we say about House of Gucci, Manish? You know, I took my, uh, I took my boyfriend to see this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, at the Alma Draft House uh, in our neighborhood. And uh, he's not really a movie guy. But he, he likes fashion, so I was like, okay, let's go. He likes, you know, we like Lady Gaga, so... Of course. <laughs> and he really, liked, he really liked the movie, and it played really well with, with my audience. Now, yeah. yeah. It's I, hard for me to tell, like, what success is at the box office nowadays. Like, I just don't... I don't... There's no reference point, so I don't know. <laughs> Um, but it seemed like it was playing to a full packed house that was very excited about it. At least for me, I don't know if you had that same experience. I'm glad you brought that up. I had that in mind um, uh, when I wanted to talk about this because, yeah, same with me. Well, not exactly the same. I didn't bring my boyfriend. Um, I <laughs> I went with my friend, and it was a packed house. It was opening night at the draft house here in Austin, and it played like gangbusters like especially the guy beside me god bless him um he was like he was the the Robert De Niro and Cape Fear guy in in this movie yeah he was like the loudest laugher um you know he was enjoying it but then everybody else was also enjoying it not as much as he was um but man my crowd just loved it and I'm also with you at this point sure I see the headlines of like what's number one at the box office but I don't even know how much this movie made I don't know if it's quote-unquote successful but yeah I 
just judging by that audience, like yeah, it's it, it works. It works for a crowd, and it and and who knows like who was in the audience that night? Who was excited to see it? Like was it filled with you know Lady Gaga fans? Was it filled with you know uh, fashion fans or I don't know like or just people yeah. who just wanted like an adult drama, which. This for sure is, and that's another reason why I was excited to see it. Because like we, you know, nowadays we don't get that too, too, you know, too too often. So it was nice to see yeah. this kind of movie that is fun to see, you know, with a crowd that it has that has like, you know, that's made for adults. So I was I was happy about that. By the end, it's like okay, I'm happy to have that experience, and I'm happy I enjoyed myself. And and in the end, isn't isn't that what matters, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, Jared Leto aside. <laughs> I mean, I got to say, my audience loved him. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I said earlier, at times I, I did really like him, but at times I'm like, what's going on? But yeah, um, it's, it's I, it, maybe Ridley Scott is a genius and maybe we just don't appreciate him as much because he, I think he does make movies for the most part. I'm, I'm not going to say all his movies do this, but I think uh, Scott is smart in how to just entertain an audience for the most part. And I think he knows, like, <laughs> I, I'm sure he got a kick out of Jerry Love's performance in the end. Cause like, he's, he's going to be like, Oh, they're going to eat this up one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. going to eat this up. <laughs> and, and, and they did. <laughs> My audience did eat it up. <laughs> and like, whenever a movie like this kind of gets like, you know, like dragged on Twitter or performers like this kind of gets made fun of. I feel like it's just setting it up for it to get become re- to get rediscovered in like five years. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, I, I felt felt this way about Eternals as well, where I'm like, okay, this all this negative press is just setting this movie up to be a cult classic in like five years. <laughs> so Although I think the same thing is going to happen with Jared Leto. Yeah, I, I, I'll say yeah, I'll say in about five years, people are going to come around to this. Like 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 you said, um, I don't know about Eternals. Eternals, I think, is a bit harder because it has that MCU mountain mountain to climb. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I'm already like a big defender of that movie, and I and I'll be one of those people who says, "Where were you five years ago?" Like Eternals was always good. What's 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 your problem? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> no, I'll be the I'll be the same way. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on the last duel before we wrap up because I know for sure the last duel didn't. You know what? You know it wasn't successful. It was a box office bomb. And I just said earlier, you know, about this people going out to see, um, you know, adult dramas, and they, I find it interesting just for opening night's sake, uh, because I wasn't their opening night for Last Duel, but I was their opening night for Hasaguchi. Um, but I'll say like I like I like Last Duel a tiny bit more than Hasaguchi, but I will say Hasaguchi. I, w- I had a better time at the movies watching yeah. it. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't know if you have something to say about that, uh, Manish. I mean, of course, like, it, makes, well, it makes a lot of sense. I totally agree with you because, like, The Last Duel is a very enriching experience, but it is, it's a really grueling movie. I mean, especially yeah. as it goes along. Like, you know, I know I said that it's very funny, and it is, but as it goes, it becomes more and more hard to watch. And... Um, I, I remember tweeting about this a few, like when I saw it, being like, the, uh, the Last Duel is one of those movies where ostensibly you have a happy ending in that, like, you know, justice is served in, you know, in the eyes of this, you know, feudal system. And, you know, obviously the poor woman was not burned at the stake, so thank God. 
But you don't feel good about the happy ending because, like, the way that she gets her happy ending is a really, like, it just, it's a real knife to the heart. Like, it just it oh, doesn't yeah. feel good. Oh, yeah. And um, I, it's, it's, I love sad, happy endings, you know, where, where you just can't, you can't get excited about it. You can't get excited about the happy ending because of, like, the context around it. I found that to be fascinating and a really hard thing to do. So I definitely think that The Last Duel is, like, a better movie in the sense of, like, it's more, you know, intellectually fulfilling. It's more thought-provoking. I think Hasaguchi is a really good time. Um, I think it's, you know, has some really colorful performances from, you know, Lady Gaga and Al Pacino, especially, and Salma Hayek. Um, you've got Adam Driver wearing some good glasses, so oh, yeah. that was a plus. Um, and like, Adam, I mean, Adam Driver in Italy, just, he just looks like he belongs there. Yeah. And in Switzerland. Like, he just has, like, I don't know, he just looks great. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Driver guy. So, uh, so I, I. I, you know, um, but yeah, so I really think that House of Gucci is like tons of fun. I think it's going to become like, a f- I think it's going to have long legs too. Yeah, yeah, and I think deservedly so. And and Last Duel, yeah, I, I, it wasn't, I wasn't like forced to go see Last Duel. Like I, I saw it like maybe a week or two after it came out because I kept hearing yeah. good things and then it was like it was a Saturday matinee at like 2 and I was like one of three people there and yeah it was a tough watch again like I said earlier it is funny entertaining to a point but yeah when it comes to subject matter it is heavy um, and I guess that's the thing and I think it's kind of same with has you know, same with the last duel not kind of similar to Hasaguchi like in a few years I think already people are coming around to Last Duel uh, it was a box office bomb now but like eventually it'll find you know it's 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 time and place like kind of like Kingdom of Heaven you know I guess he has to yeah, make right. another Kingdom of Heaven every decade or so uh, but yeah there you go uh, turn into a nice Ridley Scott double feature talk um, thank you Manish um, before we go thanks for having me yeah before we go plugs where can people listening find you online yeah so I have I, the best place to find me is on Twitter but I have recently changed my at uh, just to um, get a little bit more anonymity online so now you can find me at vertigay 314 <laughs> great and you can think of that as a vertigo because I love Hitchcock, gay because I'm homosexual. Oh wow! <laughs> and three one four for um, Angley's Life of Pi. You know my, my three personalities, I guess. <laughs> um, so that's this. That's this. Find me also on Letterbox as well. Um, and yeah. Oh, and I, you know, my two podcasts, The Pod to Be You and Queer Now, which are on hiatus for the time being, but the full libraries are there at the Tongueville Society Network for uh, you all to enjoy. Yeah. Awesome. Check that out, folks. And follow Manish. He's great. Or else he wouldn't be on the show. Uh, thank you, Manish. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. just say this i'm gonna just say hello to you very casually and we'll get into it <laughs> hello grace how are you hey i'm great <laughs> that very casual very. Um, 
so I'll, I'll get this out of the way here because I'll record the intro for this later. Mm. So you you just said not even a minute ago, you don't listen to any podcasts. I don't. You don't? No. Nope. So have you ever been on a podcast? Nope. Never. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so why is this happening? Um, and you don't, I, you're like, you don't, you're not even on Twitter, right? Eh, I, I have a handle mm-hmm. because of work. Like, yeah. I have you to have, like. You have to do it for work, right? Yeah. I don't use it though. And you're one of the few people I've met in real life who I talk about movies all the time with. Who I, I, I love talking with, I love talking about movies with you, right? Yeah. And you're one of the people who I met in real life, not on Twitter. <laughs> Usually who I talk to about movies, I meet, I meet them on Twitter, right? Where did we meet? We met, actually, we saw uh, Uncut Gems, which actually, hey, I have this Uncut Gems Blu-ray, the new 4K Criterion that came out a few weeks ago. Hey. I have that. We saw Uncut Gems separately. We, we, we the universe told us, hey, we're, we're sitting next to each other uh, by just coincidence, and we started talking, and then that's it. And then we started talking about movies ever since. That's what, almost two years ago now, right? Wow. Yeah, that's 2019, December 2019. 24th, eh? It was Christmas Eve? Yeah, Christmas Eve. That's right. We're two loners going to see Uncut Gems on Christmas Eve. I mean... <laughs> Best case scenario, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't want to meet like a weirdo <laughs> during a screening like that. Oh, I was just going to say going to the movies by yourself like Christmas Eve. <laughs> but, uh, okay, long story short, uh, we saw, we watch movies together uh, in theaters and we talk about them. And then, you know, just like friends do. I yeah. Guess, so, yeah. You know, as, as far as I know, that's what friends do. But like this movie, Tick, Tick, Boom, comes out, right? Hmm. And I just mentioned, you know, I'm going to do a segment for the podcast, which I've been doing now for like way too long, seven years. Wow. And like, um, I, I always just find people on Twitter or like uh, on my website to talk about them. But I know you, obviously, from talking about it, you have a big connection for you with this movie. Not only like the movie itself, but like the director, the 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 person uh, at the center of it, uh, Larson and like Rent and all this. So mm-hmm. I'd be like, perfect. What better guest for this segment to, to talk about Tick Tick Boom than my friend Grace? And there we saw go. it together. And we saw it together, right? We saw it at the Draft House. Like we, it's two a, weeks ago today. Two weeks. Really, it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Wow. It feels like longer. I know. <laughs> I think the holiday week kind it's of like threw holiday, everything yeah. off. It's Black Friday right now. It, it is now Sondheim Friday. Sondheim Friday. Rest in peace. He just passed away. It coincidentally, I think we talked about doing this a few days ago, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, I'm free," and then it's the same day as like Sondheim passing away, which is which is super. It's so odd rewatching this movie. There's so much Sondheim in it. There's so much. Yeah. Well, and like, I like I looked back at the movie that Robin de Jesus is in camp, mm-hmm. and Sondheim is his own cameo in it. Oh wow! So Sondheim is in camp. Yeah. The movie Camp, which is which is which is a movie you recommended to me. I haven't seen yet. And I'll say this too: you are like one of the people I go to for recommendations. <laughs> and because of you, I saw Rent the movie earlier this year, and I was like, oh, thanks to you. Like now I have this appreciation for Tick Tick Boom that I probably would not have had if I hadn't seen Rent or knew about you know as much of about Rent as I did before seeing this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like Rent probably hit. Different in the pandemic because of like yeah what everyone is going through yeah um so yeah i guess that's the groundwork for this episode for this segment we're talking tick tick boom that's why grace is here she's great um (laughs) so let's talk about the movie so yeah so okay this is the same 
question I kind of ask everybody for, for these segments. Cool, hit me. Going into Tick, Tick, Boom in particular, like, talk about, we touched on, like, uh, your connection with Rent, but let's go into it more. Your connection with, like, Rent, Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, just your anticipation for this movie. How did you feel before coming to see Tick, Tick, Boom? Okay, so I remember the first trailer that dropped. Surprisingly, you didn't send it to me because mm-hmm. I feel like you're usually, <laughs> I usually my main source yeah. of trailers. But someone else sent it to me and I was like, oh, what is this? Yeah. The yeah. teaser trailer that came out, what was that, six months ago now? Yeah. I had, I was like, what is this? And I had, I had never heard of Tick, Tick, Boom. And so I was like, I don't even know what this is. Like, Andrew Garfield, like, what is he doing? (laughs) And then I think it was, like, that night I, like, looked it up. And then I was like, wait, this is... Uh, ha- Lin-Manuel Miranda's working on this. What is it? The the writer of, or the screenwriter yeah. of um, Dear Evan Hansen? Dear Evan Hansen, yeah. And then the songwriter from Rent. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. It, it, you were ahead of the ball, ahead uh, of the curve. That's the same. Uh, more than me, because like when I heard about this, like I, I was like, "What is this?" And it was around the same time that uh, In the Heights came out, which yeah. we have to talk about. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I, I was like, I was like, kind of like not worried, but like I was just wondering, like trepidatious. Trepida- thank you. Yes. I was trepidatious about it. I was like questioning, like, what, what is this exactly? I had the same thought because it's so interesting. I feel like, well, one my perspective on most movies that come out is I probably won't like this, mm. but I'd love to. Yeah. And I feel like that's sometimes a better way to go into a movie of being like, I'm not expecting to like this, but if I do, instead of expecting to like something and then not liking it. Right, right, right. But with this, usually musicals I get excited about. There was some like hesitancy for me of like seeing this. And also the, the teaser was just Boho Days. So uh-huh. it's just that one scene and you're like, okay, I'm getting a glimpse of this, but... I'm not actually, I have no idea what's going on here. Exactly, yeah. I, I didn't know what to make of it before watching it. And, well, it's not about Lin-Manuel Miranda for a mm-hmm. bit, because I'll just say this. I may have said this to you. It's like, like I, I do like the guy a lot, but like he gives off this aura that I can see why people don't like of him. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and like I shouldn't like... Um, like I shouldn't like buy into that. Cause do you think it has to do with like the toxic masculinity? Probably. Yeah. Which this movie addresses, I think, where like the like very like cis het like toxic masculine man, how they view theater and yeah. like theatrical men and yeah. like the femininity that there is some underlying current of in theater. Which I don't think I've ever said this on a podcast, but mm. I did mention it to you, mm. like when we talked about musicals once. Um, growing up, like, I didn't watch too many musicals, and lately, in the last, like, year or so, I've been watching more and more, just catching up on ones I hadn't seen. I think we even saw West Side Story, the first one, the original, together, and that's the first time I'd ever seen it, speaking of Sondheim. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because when I was growing up, my father, not that, you know, he's, not not that he was super strict about it, but... Traditional, maybe. Yeah, too traditional, like, about, because I remember one afternoon putting on a movie on TV and it was Little Shop of Horrors, ah, the musical, right? Amazing. And, and he got mad at me and said, turn it off. I'm like, well, okay. So um, that was hovering around me as yeah. a kid. So maybe that's a reason why I didn't get into musicals uh, early on. And talking about, yeah, that's going along the lines of like this toxic max- masculinity. I think Lin-Manuel Miranda handles really well in like attacking that. And like, that's why I think people are kind of like, 
what's wrong? What, what's up with this guy? Because they're just not used to it. It's, it. He's just a theater geek who made it big, he and is. like he, he doesn't hold that back. He it, expresses exactly. It. Yeah. It's not like he has a stage self, and then I mean I'm sure he does. Yeah. But he lets himself be as theatrical as he wants to be. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that that's like I view that as like a really like liberating thing. Like this movie and like a bunch of other movies we've seen this year, I feel like I've seen the most men crying on screen that I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like it's, it's like part of this, like, um, fortunately I think it's driven by a lot of men Mm -hmm. and like also other people who are directing, Yeah. but just like giving people the opportunity to share emotions in a way. Because, like, I, on the Eternals episode, I also mm-hmm. talked about this with you after we saw Eternals. Like, I said, that movie has the most crying I've seen, like, in a blockbuster in a long time. And I, I was like, ever? I was, and I was kind of grateful for it because, like, at the end, instead of, like, beating the shit out of each other, these, these main characters, they just cry. Especially for it to, like, not even be, like, a tragedy. Yeah, yeah. It, like, you would think that it's, like, something that was about something really devastating for mm-hmm. how much people are emoting. Yeah. But also, I feel like the world's kind of, like, fucked at that yeah. point. And so, like, I wouldn't you be crying? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which, yeah, and, like, I find that refreshing and going to Tick, Tick, Boom, like, um, I mean, let's just get this out of the way. So you loved it, right? Yes, Absolutely. 10 out of 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10. That and In the Heights are my top-rated movies of the year. Oh, let's talk about In the Heights. Because In the Heights, that's still my number one. Yeah. I, I love In the Heights so much. And we have shared this love of that movie. Yeah. And uh, it, it came at a perfect time for me. And I'll let you talk about it in a yeah. bit. I'm just going to talk and say, like, it to me... The reason why it's my number one is because it's like it's what I want from a movie. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has the emotion. It has the direction. Like I still think that pool scene, like, is like expertly shot and like yeah. seeing that in a theater, experiencing that with a crowd was beautiful. Amazing. And, yeah, I, I, and you know. Then Moe Miranda, of course, you know, that was, like, one of his early works before Hamilton. Yeah, and his first Tony. It, yeah, his first Tony. And uh, by that point, like, I had already, you know, listened to Hamilton. Like, mm-hmm. I, I made a podcast about Hamilton. Mm. Um, and I'd seen the movie, you know, the, the stage recording of Hamilton. Yeah. Like, I was like, yeah, I mean, I'll say this. I told this to you. Like, I think In the Heights, for me, works Better. Better than Hamilton. Agreed. Yeah. I think as a stage production and, like, I mean, one of my pet peeves about Hamilton is that there's not really any dialogue in between the songs. Right, right. Which, like, I'm a huge fool for, like, musicals, but I really love, like, the depth in between. Yeah, that's that's actually... I like how you said that, the depth in between, because, like, that sort of connective tissue between the yeah. musical members. And, and it's almost like you kind of need... A breather? Yeah. Can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, can, like, the, the, the break between, well, like, they, they probably need to breathe, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> dancing? I don't know. I feel like Hamilton is so stage production that I think if they were to make a, uh, like, one for the screen. A film adaptation, yeah. Yeah, it would have to be, well, I'd hope it would be different. I'd I hope, hope so. that there would be other levels yeah, to it. Yeah, I, I wonder about that, because I, I think it was smart of them to release it last Agreed. year. Yeah, and, like, have it out there. Yeah, Especially, I mean, just for morale. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly? Uh, it, it certainly helped me when, when it came out last summer, uh, Hamilton. Same. Yeah, but now I wonder, and also, this is just a small tangent, like, 
uh, my uh, I got an email from the Hamilton app saying, "Hey, it's back in town in Austin." Yeah. And I put myself in for the lottery, so I'm hoping to get in. I saw that today that it was back. I like got a I got an email about it because I had equally done the same thing years ago. Even yeah. when it was in San Antonio, I was like, "Send me there, please." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, have, have you seen on stage yet? No, I haven't. Me but neither. the funny thing is, so I became obsessed with Hamilton. Probably like set. It feels weird saying. I think it was like six years ago is when I first found out about it. Yeah, it's around the same time I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I like started digesting all the music, and I told my parents about it. I told like my best friend, and they've all seen it on stage. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Everyone who I talked to about it has basically uh-huh. seen it on stage except for me, and I'm like, love y'all. So glad you like it. Yeah, I know. And for me, like I did. A freaking Hamilton podcast. I devoted so many hours yeah. to it. I still haven't seen it, like on stage. Hey, but I, 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 you know, I'm gonna make that promise to myself. By the year's end, or when it's in in Austin during that run, I want I want to see it. So yeah. I'm, I'm gonna make the effort for it. Um, Wait, before we go on, yeah, in the Heights, La La Land. I know La La Land was your favorite. How do they stand? Because. Okay, before you answer that. You're attacking me, so this is good. (laughs) I want to say the things that I wanted for La La Land and that they tried to, like, nod to in theater, I felt like In the Heights just delivered in full from, like, the depth of music and, like, emotion to, like, all the different things that were going on in it. Yeah, and just to reiterate, like, In the Heights, it's going to end up being my number one. I can't see anything else topping it. Like, maybe, I don't know, like, what's coming up? Like, Licorice Spider-Man? It's going to be hard to top. And, and I bring it up because In the Heights, it's just so personal to me. Because yeah. it felt like me coming back to movies and me experiencing like the best movie to see yes. when like I want to see movies in theaters again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was very personal for me. It's like the epitome. It was like the celebration yeah, of it's a like celebration. cinema. Yeah, exactly. And I'll say about La La Land, it, all, it holds almost as big of a personal connection for me because that year mm. I'll just say like I went through so much shit in 2016 yeah, like yeah, yeah. breakup moving you know job everything everything that a person could go through almost everything like I went through in 2016 and La La Land spoke to me on that level and I, it's my number one of that year and but when I, it's hard for me so I say all that it's hard for me to look at it and look at it like on paper mm. like the comparison of the two because they, they're both they're so personal to me. Um, I'll say, though, like, I'll say this. In the Heights, I think it, it, it is a better staged, like, musical, like, movie. Because to me, La La Land is sort of, like, almost not an anti-musical, but, like, very much wants to be a musical at some parts and then, like, heavy drama with yeah. other parts. And I feel like it just lacks in, in the, like, quality of music. I, yeah. I, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It, there are like maybe two or three solid songs in yeah. La La Land, but like in in the Heights, there's just like they're all like there's like they're all like t- ten out of ten. Yeah, and like every single production, every single musical n- like number in in the Heights just pops like it, and it does something different each time. Yeah, I also one of the things I really loved about In the Heights is that they don't wait for you to get to the destination for the song to begin. Yeah. They, like, the songs are part of their, like, journey. Like, whether they're walking to the pool or, yeah. like, she's walking to, like, meet her dad. Like, they're this, which I feel like is so, like, such a big part of, like, life. Yeah. Where, like, it's it's those in-betweens where you're in your head and thinking about things and then, like, expanding upon that. Yeah. Oh, that's beautifully put. It, it, and... 
it like to me also in the heights is also about like a bigger community mm, yeah because like um that one i'm bad with like, yeah thank you yes. <laughs> I was i'm bad with coming up with names of like songs but that one in particular that one too emotional uh, yeah like for a song that like doesn't need to be emotional but it really is mm-hmm. and like the only one i can compare that to in like la la land is like the opening like freeway Day of thing. Sun? Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 which like i, I think it's i great. think that was the best song in the movie personally yeah. and also like, there's a hula hooper it's in a great it. o- <laughs> so you have a bias yeah. Um, but in, 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 in the Heights, the carnival scene, it spoke to me as like Hispanic and like, I, yeah. I, I, I was trying to representation. like, yeah, representation, like that was a huge thing for me too. And that got me like super emotional. Yeah. Well, and I think of like all the audiences of people watching who maybe view specifically like New York immigrants or they view Hispanic people as Mexico, and then, like, you know, the references to Cuba, to, like, all the different, like, countries, not only Puerto Rico, but, like, everything in it, and I feel like that's important, and, like, I think it's great to celebrate that in that way. And apparently, talking uh, about it with my mom, Mm -hmm. when I showed it to her, when it was still on HBO Max, like, apparently... It's back, also. (laughs) It's back on HBO Max. Um, uh, 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 um, She said... Because we had lived in New York for a bit, oh. like when I was just a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently she lived like close to where In the wow. Heights is set. Yeah. So that also is like very, oh, yeah. That's like, so touching. That's touching. Um, okay, In the Heights, tick, tick, boom. Yeah. Okay, we've said all we need to say about In the Heights. It's great, right? It, I mean, it... it Okay, maybe we'll jump back over. Cameo in the Heights. Cameo. Tick, tick, boom. I, how exciting was it to see him just, like, throwing himself into the kitchen? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, like, I... I liked both cameos in, in uh, the Lin Manuel Miranda cameos in In the Heights and uh, Tick Tick Boom. In the Heights, like though he 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 really is is not really a cameo. He's a character. Yeah, right, he's right? a Peter Grow. And, and, and he sings like yeah. that song. Uh, and and he's also in the Nicaragua. He's also in the end credits, which yes. yeah I love. Um, but it was interesting seeing him like in such a small yet pivotal role in Tick Tick Boom, yeah. like in in the back. And I know we're jumping around, but like. Well, and the diner scene. The diner scene. He's like the first cameo that mm-hmm. you see yeah. that like opens up the door. And we, uh, we were talking about like that. This is like one of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah. I will say part of why is the audience we were in watching. Yeah, we it. should we should talk about that because we saw that. Uh, I I believe like we're one of th- we're one of the few people who saw this in a theater because yeah. they had like a limited like uh, one week run in Austin. Was it even a week? It was a few days i feel like it was it was like a two day or yeah. three day which they like and, rarely do and uh i'll say I, I sent you the link it's like hey look they're playing it and at that point i was still like i was still like unsure yeah i was like you know let's check this out let's see what happens yeah but we went at the perfect time oh because it was like what thursday or friday it was friday it was friday yeah um, filled with like theater geeks, it yeah, was- <laughs> like the be- like it was it was a big theater that was yeah. almost empty, like yeah. what twenty people total, twenty people. But like yeah, it, but it, it was so good. But there were just at that point in the in the diner scene, and I guess spoilers for Tick Tick Boom, I guess, like that diner scene is just filled with like all these major like Broadway stars. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. way too many and like the people there's one lady in particular sitting like a row or two behind us who was just like shouting every time like yeah. someone else frothing at the mouth yeah, with like, excitement ah. 
<laughs> I mean, I feel like I was just like, it, it's like you think you're, you're just seeing, you know, one person and then the camera moves and you literally see another person that you're like, they're here too. I just remember being like, okay, Hamilton, uh, <laughs> like Bernadette, like the, the, all the different people in it. Yeah. Like, uh, uh I'm reading through the cameos here, like BB Newworth shows up, Felicia Rashad, um, not to in the Heights. That's what, yeah. Or, and West Side Story. West Side, yeah, yeah, uh, Cheetah Rivera. Yep. Yes, yes. Um, so all these greats, and also, like, some of the original uh, cast members from Rent. Yes, of course. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, like, I don't think we can talk about the cast without talking about how there's so much representation of the cast that has been in renditions of Rent. Of Rent, yeah. Almost yeah. all of them. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about, like, Rent because yeah. that that is important uh, uh, production, you know, movie, yeah. you know, to you, right? Rent. Yes, I think it's become harder to watch because yeah. it has not aged incredibly <laughs> well. But also, just like I mean, it's it's such a time capsule for the '90s, mm-hmm. even though I think it came out in like the 2000s. And I wouldn't say like if somebody came in a tick tick boom and didn't know much about Rent, I don't think mm. I don't think they'd be. You know, they they wouldn't be confused. Yeah. But I also think if you know enough about Rent, you appreciate it, I think, more. It's like a Marvel movie. Like, you you could watch Eternals Mm -hmm. or you could watch Shang-Chi without having to see any of the other things. But if you have, Mm -hmm. then it, like, there's other layers. Yeah. It's like you're invited to the little, like, backstage club. So this is Lin Memoir Miranda's Endgame. (laughs) Yeah. This is the MCU. This is the LMMCU. Or is it Iron Man? He's just beginning. <laughs> That's right. This is this is His... it's, it's it's super weird to say, but this is like a prequel to Rent. This is the prequel to Rent. Yeah, 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 oh, 100%. yeah. yeah. So one hundred percent. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna leave that in. <laughs> but I, I I think I'll say this: if you like or if you like or hate Rent, I think you appreciate this. Yeah. Because. It it, it it certainly touches on rent, but it, yes. it gives obviously more of a spotlight to Larson as the creator. Yeah, and it may give you more. It'll definitely give you more insight. Yeah. into what he brought to it personally, and just yeah. it, it's like serving as a stepping stone too. Agreed. Well, and I think rent kind of has had like a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, yeah. especially like in the queer community, like na- watching it again. And I feel like watching this, I was like, this is everything I want rent to be. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's taken into account of like, hi, it's 2021. And like, we yeah. need to be inclusive. We need to have representation of all different walks of life of trans people who are actually trans people. Mm-hmm. Like we, I feel like this is really like, it, it takes, if you hate rent, because you used to like it or like it just it takes it back to you can watch this and not feel so bad about hating rent exactly because i (laughs) you know me just having seen the movie i I do like the movie for the most part but i admit that it's that has these characterizations that don't hit well like nowadays right yeah but this gives that humanity back like to the yeah. to like two people in the late eighties and nineties about the AIDS scare, like it's it's prevalent throughout this. Like it's important to Larson because it affects him 
because not only is it like visibly around him, like he watches it like on the news and like there's like posters of it on the wall uh, where he is, but also like his friends are affected by it. Uh, It's so interesting. Um, My mom has told me different like stories about like living in San Francisco. She had like friends who were like involved in theater and there's a lot of queer people in theater. And so there was just like periods of time where just people would like troves of people would pass away from AIDS and like it especially hit the theater community harder I think than um maybe say finance or something like you know other industries where it's not as like prevalent to be out or or even if you're not out just to be able to express yourself in a different way and it certainly hits like like how you mentioned like seeing rent like now Mm -hmm. sort of hits harder and like seeing this now like hit me harder for sure because like I, I think at this point, we at least know somebody or know of people close to us that have been affected by yeah. a virus that, that kills that kills you. Yeah, um, I think it's so interesting the way you phrase that because when everyone was talking about like COVID and everything, there mm-hmm. were so many parallels to like sexual awareness of like the way that people talk about STDs or having, you know, HIV or being HIV positive and to being covid positive or right. like how precautious are you being right. like are are you wearing your protection yeah like how are you protecting yourself so that everyone around you is you know safe and supported yeah and so i think there are a lot of parallels between like the timing of it coming out now and how the system has failed us on both accounts yep so, yeah um it's heavy uh yep i mean i i, I cried a few times watching tick tick boom i, I mean did you cry <laughs> You're telling me you're <laughs> I don't think I got through the whole like third act without like my it's, eyes being wet. It's tough. And if I don't think we mentioned this, like if anybody doesn't know, if anybody has gone through this far along the podcast, by the way, this is I'm planning this to be the second segment in this episode. The first segment is House of Gucci. Ooh. So and, and maybe we could talk about that at the end of this cool. conversation. But if you made it through House of Gucci and you're into this and you don't know much about the story yet. Um, I mean, Larson, he created Rent, and he unfortunately passed away, you know, the night before, the night before it opened on Broadway, on Broadway. And like in the opening, you see, you see of Tick, Tick, Boom, you see these like real life video clips of like, um, I think um, Anthony Rapp, you know, opening up Rent. He said he he, he dedicated this and all performances to Larson. Well, and I think it's so interesting because in, in those like video clips in Rent were one of his friends. One right. of Jonathan Larson's friends, like, that the movie and that Tick, Tick, Boom is trying to, like, celebrate all the friendships. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it is, it is, with that in mind, it it it, it's, it makes it even more powerful, obviously, because you're dealing with, like, somebody who was real and who passed away, like, at the, like, best or worst time you could pass away. Like, creating something yeah. that it's going to live on, like, past his life for, forever and a lot of people's lives yeah. rents like that's going to be there forever in the consciousness and yet he can't he didn't see that come, really come, come to, to life yeah, yeah. yeah um so that's heartbreaking uh, especially at the ends when you when you know all that when you're reminded like um the voiceover says and you know and he passed away and like, he couldn't see what i love the fact so that was one of the things that i like had remembered like i knew that this the Going into this movie, I was like, okay, so this is all his music, but he's not alive. Right. And I love that this film started by telling you he's he's no longer alive. Right. Because I feel like House of Gucci, for example, 
I love to go into movies not knowing anything. I don't mm. know who's going to die <laughs> or is anyone. Yeah. And yeah. so I think it's nice. It's I mean, I wouldn't consider this like a, a biopic. Not no, not really cuz it's like it's it, an it, homage. It is it is like I'll say this. The the structure of it I find amazing because yeah. it's based on a three-person play that mm. Larson wrote and you see in the movie the movie starts with like Garfield as Larson and with like the two other people in that play yeah and then it cuts to the narrative mm-hmm. and then within the narrative there are also songs but the songs also cut back to the three-person play yes so and Larson in real, in real life he did he, he just did the three-person play right and one person at first right one per- yeah he did it himself and then he added those two I feel like it the way it blended the play with the narrative mm-hmm. really worked well and wasn't like distracting it almost felt like it gave you like a break yeah in a in an interesting way or like two ways to digest what was happening yeah because I think there could have been different ways to adapt it because mm-hmm. that's the basis is a three-person play and then they also had revivals of it like in the 2000s I read yeah um, but to do this narrative like like it is and we're watching it in the background by the way which is what I always do <laughs> it's like jumping back and forth between the narrative like of his story to the three-person play yeah I found that like like I think it was the best way to, to portray it because because you're right it's not really a biopic because it's based on Larson's like work but it is in fact like, he essentially wrote his own biopic. Yeah, because Tick, Tick, Boom, the stage production was, like, an autobiography yeah, of, yeah. like, right before he turned 30. Yeah, and his struggles with being this playwright, being this writer. And it, one thing I want to bring up, which I brought up to you, like, talking about it, was, like, I love that this sort of, like, shines that light on failure. Mm. Because the the play he was working on in this, um, as he's, like, you know, turning 30 is like this like weird stage production of like this like sci-fi musical thing which by the way i was listening to this like superbia <laughs> i was like great title honestly yeah, i was superb I, I thought i wouldn't mind seeing that like I, I, it, it sounds pretty good i mean they basically like foreshadow iphones yeah yeah exactly it's like <laughs> who's gonna win the face award is like one one line well and like they're like people are gonna have like computers in their pockets and walk around and look at oh, them that's crazy and it was like just Larson, what were you talking about in 1990? It's a soothsayer. And, okay, and, and that'll bring us into this point. But, like, I love that, like, um, yeah, it, 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 you're with him, you're with Larson, you're, like, you're, you're rooting for him. I, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. Yeah. Um, and, like, you see him, like, like stage it for these people, and it bombs. Like, yeah. nobody wants to buy it. Like, nobody wants to put it up. They don't hate it. They don't hate it. They, they just yeah. don't see potential for, like... Uh, an average audience to get it. Yeah. But like the one person who's like in his corner is like Stephen Sondheim. Yeah. And that, that now it's like even more heartbreaking. But like in, in like in like an like in in uh, early on in the movie, Larson is like working it out in like a workshop and like Sondheim is there, played by Bradley Whitford by the way, who's like gives like a very like I don't I actually don't know how Stephen Sondheim looks or sounds, but that felt uh. Like pretty, yeah. like a pretty good like. I uh, feel performance. like for me, I have to be like I'm not watching Get Out. Like I just, <laughs> I, I just like can't. he. I've seen him in so many other things, but now I'm just like, don't drink tea. <laughs> be careful, Larson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but like, I think like uh, for for what it, like whether it's good or bad, I don't care. I think it's a good like like performance from Whitford in that like one minute or yes. two scene. No, I feel like the. 
in in my understanding is that like Sondheim is kind of a person of like fewer words. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like when he does share, like in the movie, you listen. Also yeah. because like he's someone who has carved his own way in, in history. Yeah. And uh, I also want to mention this, like I'm not like like a huge musical theater guy, obviously. Uh, having said like I'm just catching up on some I hadn't seen some musicals, but this movie with like the Sondheim uh, you know, reverence and how important Sondheim is, like I understand Sondheim is like a god, like he is. Like it's, uh, I don't know too much about like his work. I haven't listened to a lot of his work, but I know when you say Sondheim, and when Sondheim gives him like those tips, like like that. That that's a good song. Yeah, like, you know, like Larson's Garfield's Larson like lights up. Which is so interesting that Sondheim was the first person to say you need another song, and yeah. then he completely ignored that. <laughs> and it's like you're gonna listen to all the good things, but you can't listen to the one thing that they're trying to help make it better. Mm-hmm. Although I felt like Sondheim saying that put a lot of pressure on Larson. It's like, yeah. oh, Sondheim says I need, a, I need a song? I gotta make this like the best song ever. And, yeah. And, that, and I love that uh, writer's block that yeah. Larson has. It's like, I uh, he's had, he, has, he, has all, he has all this trouble writing the song, I think mostly because like Sondheim says, you need a song. And yeah, yeah and all eyes are on Larson now. And then that shot in the pool when he comes up with that song, oh that, my was, gosh. that was a good shot too. I, I think it was one of the... I love swimming, and mm. so I, I was floored seeing the way that the lines on the bottom of the, f- of the pool were used as, like, chords. Yeah. Like, that was just absolutely... Super inventive. Yeah, yeah. and, like, I, I've done laps for years and years, and, like, I always just, like, follow that. Mm. And so I just thought it was, like, such a beautiful way to, like look at something just a little bit differently through like a creative lens. Yeah. I will say, so Robin de Jesus is in camp. Right. Which Steven Sondheim is in. Mm. And there's like a scene at the beginning of the movie and he pulls out and like puts a framed picture of Steven Sondheim like on his like bedside table mm-hmm. at the summer camp. And there's this like his white boy who like is a basketball player who like randomly comes to this camp and he's like oh is that your father (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh and just the like hilarity of like going back and watching that and then seeing Robin Jesus in this movie Mm -hmm. is just like and that that Sondheim connection and like that actor connection from like camp to to this yeah yeah it uh, it's um, I'm still sad I'm, I'm very sad that Sondheim passed away now yeah. Because like it feels like with this movie, which again, like very like it puts up Sondheim like on, on that pedestal, like, yeah, like he great should. Great honor. And in in two weeks, the new West Side Story is coming out uh, that with lyrics by Sondheim. So, uh, of course, yeah, um, classic. <laughs> I mean, very John Larson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to, I'm sure I, I did see a tweet like Spielberg said like Sondheim was like the one person he knew that knew the most about movies mm. apparently so that yeah so I, I'm sure Sondheim saw the new West Side Story he, he, yeah. he, he would have had to but they're premiering it at like a film festival like on Monday I think wow yeah West Side Story so that's a shame wow yeah. um, back to Tick Tick Boom yes I think we can start wrapping up because I think we hit on a lot what, what is something we, we may have missed about Tick Tick Boom I'm trying to think all of the tweed <laughs> <laughs> so just looking at the screen. <laughs> yeah. 
are the beige walls. There's so much tweed. <laughs> oh, you know, I uh, I want to talk about Andrew Garfield. Okay. Spe- specifically, um, I love him in this. I do too. Yeah. How did you feel about him before this? You mean like as a as an actor? Like, yeah. Like like was he someone you went out of your way for performances, or were you just like, oh, he's here, cool? Uh, I th- he's made. I'll say this, like, of course, like, the first thing I saw him in, I loved him in, like, a lot of people, uh, Social Amazing. Network. Oh, I was going to say Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, I th- uh, Social Network was, the, was, was first, first, and yes. then he got the Spider-Man job. Um, and I think he's, like, amazing in Social Network. Who is he in it? He's, uh, he's, he's uh, Zuckerberg's friend who yes. takes the laptop and smashes it. Okay, I haven't seen that in years. And then, I, and then, and then he tells Timberlake's character, I'll lift my... Prada uh, sneakers, sneakers at the at the washroom. I don't know, oh my it's great gosh, line. I love that. Um, but anyway, uh, and then since then, I'll say for me personally, the Spider-Man movies kind of soured me yeah. on him because I don't. I, I don't think they really let him shine. No, and I, I personally don't think he was a good Spider-Man. No, I think it was it, it was. Um, I don't love Tobey Maguire and anything else, mm-hmm. but you know he had a good like pathway as Spider-Man in yeah. one and two. Let's not talk about three, <laughs> and then like obviously I think Tom Holland like it suits the character very well. Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, it's it, Tammy Faye though was she say, was phenomenal in since, it. Since since Spider-Man, he's done some. I think he's purposefully chosen some interesting roles like yeah. did you ever see under the silver lake no but it's it, like okay that one had a funny release it's been in like my queue to watch because mm-hmm. i it looked fascinating to me yeah i did hear he was in a play um and he won a tony for it and that's why he got cast that in this sense. movie that even though sense. he had never sang in that other play mm-hmm. yeah oh, by the way like he does his own singing here garfield and i didn't know he sang yeah and, and he did amazing. take singing lessons for like almost a year I think oh, prior which good. like also if I was going to be like in something singing I would too <laughs> I get I, it especially if it was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda and yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'd be prepared but having said all that like I think he, ma- he makes interesting choices and he's pretty good in Under the Silver Lake but then like this past year he did Tammy Faye mm-hmm. which I thought him in particular is like he's going for something he's like doing this interesting yeah. character work in the movie and then this I think maybe my you know, maybe second or maybe above social network is my is, is where I put this for Garfield yeah. for me. Anyway. I agree. I think it's also interesting in thinking about Tammy Faye because it is like mainly about Jessica Chastain and Tammy Faye. Right. Like he is very much like a secondary character, but it doesn't feel that way. Right. Because his presence is like so enveloping. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's a crucial like pin in that Tammy Faye arc that like everything mm-hmm. basically falls apart because Garfield's character in that like messes everything up. Yeah. And the fact that that movie also plays with like him, you know, kind of like this masculinity being played with and like how uh, apparently I read, I read more about it. Like it wasn't like proven that, you know, he had like these homosexual relationships like uh, Garfield's character in Tammy Faye. But so one could surmise that that happened. Yeah. I mean, I, it would not surprise me in the slightest. I, there's definitely a lot of that in a lot of um, religion. Yeah. And for Garfield to play that, it's sort of like one of those roles that are, that's just very like, you know, I don't see many, many actors going for that. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm happy he does. Me too. I think you're right. Like after The Amazing Spider-Man, and maybe this was he had the ability financially to be more choosy yeah. with his movies or what he's signing on for. 
But I, I'm here for it. I like, yeah. I like the trajectory. Can't wait to see what's next. And I'm happy for him for this movie. He might get the Oscar nomination. Like, you know, who knows if he'll win? He'll definitely be nominated. But I'm, yeah. I'm happy, and I'm, I'm glad that like he's doing this press run where like he's just having a good time. He really is, like, and it yeah. like you can feel it. I, I just like all of the media that's been like surrounding this release. They all seem so in, like ecstatic. Yeah. And like I read about his experience, like on set, being surrounded by all these people who like have been in theater for a long period of time, and how intimidated he was feeling, which I think is so interesting to like talk about those like insecurities. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's he's amazing. Spider Man. Um, <laughs> he's also amazing. Um, I, I think we covered it all. I, I, was there any last thing? Because I, I, I think we covered all we needed to talk about. Of course, like I'm, I'm happy that Miranda's first theatrical, first sorry, directorial mm. effort is like this great. Agreed. Yeah, yeah I'm like thrilled for it mm -hmm. because I feel like. It's so interesting for this to be his like introduction to being a director mm. when he is uh, he's like paved his own like way in, in in like mainstream media. Yeah, yeah. And now like he had like he, he's multifaceted. Like he can he can he can do any anything at this point. Yeah. And now I'm interested to see what he does next. Like, will he do, like, another musical? Like, what? Like, will he just stay in that vein, or will he do something else? Will he be, like, an Edgar Wright, where, like, he uses music in, like, a musical way? Ah, uh, yeah. Like, like a, but, like, takes a step back from, like, it being... He should direct Baby Driver, too. Just yeah. take that away. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it is interesting how much Lin-Manuel Miranda respects Rent, and, like, yeah, has, like... Right. That was the first, like play saw when he was 16 that inspired his like career it, it has a this has a personal connection for him right because yeah uh, did, did we get that on mike that you said like he performed in tick tick boom no i don't think we talked about that but i mean i think it's wild that like while everything was getting set up for hamilton he decided to do tick tick boom like he had yeah. hamilton ready to go but he was just like waiting yeah which is funny because the whole movie is about or the whole, tick tick boom is all about waiting yeah. waiting for the play yeah it, it like literally it's like when it like reflects life oh and also you mentioned uh another conversation we had like you you made that parallel between uh in the heights and tick tick boom and like rant and hamilton oh yeah like that work before like the the, the more notable work yeah and and how that those parallels between larson and miranda are there and yeah it, it's like he was the he was the perfect director to yeah. make this movie miranda was agreed i i think so i mean i think it's interesting when you look at like in the heights came out before hamilton but then now we have this like in the heights movie that like in some ways i mean i don't think anything could ever outshine hamilton at this point right but then if you look at rent rent was like the second of john larson's and then when now we have tick tick boom and it's like fresh eyes in this era yeah i think it's really phenomenal Oh, yeah, so good. So there you go. Thank you for coming on. I'm happy you came over. Happy this turned out great. Go see Tick, Tick, Boom, people. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Um, and before I go... Oh, no, so in the Heights is in, it's, on, it's on HBO Max. Yes. Right, there you go. And Rent is streaming rent as well. Is, find Rent. Watch Rent. Yeah. Um, I have to do this with every guest, and you can just say whatever, but plugs? Do you have anything to plug before we go? <laughs> <laughs> See, because you're not on Twitter, luckily. Nope. You know, I mean, I don't know if you want to promote anything. Um, go watch House of Gucci. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's right. Let's talk about House of Gucci for like a minute. <laughs> okay, because at this point, the first segment was all House of Gucci. House of Gucci, 
I liked it a lot. I do too. So weird. I call it Choices the Movie. Because <laughs> like so much is happening yeah. in that movie, especially Jared Leto. Especially Jared Leto. What what can you say about Hasaguchi here at the end? Um it is not great with accents, but it is great with like I it's surprisingly funny. Yeah. I, I think we talked about this, but like love a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. Oh yeah, yeah. And like that movie really has fun with it and I mean I got a lot, uh, we got some great wigs in it. <laughs> got so the costumes. Wigs. Um we have Lady Gaga. Uh I feel like I'm just saying like things and not saying anything <laughs> about it. I enjoyed it. I I think I gave it I, I can't remember how I rated it. It was either like a, a six and a half or a seven. Out of ten? Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it. It's one of those I, I proclaimed on Twitter, like any tweet I do. I said, I refuse to rate this because I... <laughs> it's a hard one. It's a hard one to do. Um, but there's interesting stuff going on there. There is a lot. It's also very much a movie and not a film. Yeah. I, I like, I don't want to... I f- like, I feel like for me, the difference is I don't want to like analyze like things that are made for entertainment. And yeah. I felt like it was entertaining. One last point before we wrap up is it's one thing I'm going to mention in the first segment because I, I have this in my head now since you talked about it mm. there's a sex scene where yes. uh, Lady Gaga is the power bottom yeah. <laughs> which is su- I, w- I would not have thought that until you brought it up and I'm like that that has to be purposeful yeah like oh I think 100% either the script or Ridley Scott or Lady Gaga maybe Lady Gaga maybe but a like, mix of all of them mix of all of them but like that choice is super interesting and I love the I mean you said I mean it's a movie yeah. it's like entertaining like there's not much going on beneath the surface but like stuff like that interesting to to think about yeah well and in, in the sense that like Lady Gaga is definitely I mean to use like a terrible like stereotype wearing the pants of the relationship Mm -hmm. and so then like when we see that like sex scene where it's like she is definitely like the dominant person even though she is still a woman in the 70s 80s in Italy and like the way that like those dynamics like transcend like their relationship the business and then also like in the bedroom I think she the way that sex is used in that movie and like maybe just in their story is fascinating and it's not the way that I feel like it's exploited in so many other things like we talked about Wolf of Wall Street and the way that like Margot Robbie's character uses sex as currency Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel the same yeah yeah no and I think that it goes to uh, I credit like the script and like I, I think Lady Gaga for sure from reading about it for sure put a lot of her own like method acting into it yeah. which I'm like I'm happy about yeah and maybe that's like her, some of her own like yeah. I mean I think there is also in this day and age like um maybe more so than like that era women participate a little bit more in Mm. the bedroom and i mean those scenes a lot of them started with him going down on her yeah and so it is like it is like really rooted in her pleasure which is kind of unexpected yeah yeah and also say i probably said this in the other segment but i've seen adam driver go down on women three in three movies this year (laughs) so annette yeah annette and i think in last duel he does that too um good for him (laughs) he's a tall guy (laughs) It's a tall guy. You should do anything that pleases a woman. It's down business. (laughs) Well, thank you, Grace. That was your plug. How's it, Gucci? Um, And now for my catchphrase that I say at the end of every show. Hey, see you at the movies. No, never say that. All right, bye. (laughs) I feel like I should have said I'm changing my handle to House of Gracie. (laughs) I'm going to keep that in. (laughs) Okay.